what's up you guys and welcome back to the televised podcast my name is anna and today we're going to be talking about supergirl season 6 episode 16 titled nightmare in national city i really enjoyed this episode i thought it was really fun um i loved all the nia stuff i mean nicole mains killed it in this episode with um her portrayal of of Nia, especially like in the those like really really intense emotional scenes with Maeve, and obviously like there was a lot of cool powers being shown off in this episode from Nia as well, which was really fun to see. Um, and it was just a really good way to wrap up that storyline that it feels like it's been hanging over our heads for so long since season four. So literally two seasons ago, is when uh, you know Nia and Maeve had that uh, sister breakup, and and it's been something that you know obviously has haunted Nia for so long that it was just so satisfying to see it come to this conclusion and be handled in such a wonderful way and I'm sure obviously that I'm sure that it has a lot to do with uh, Nicole Maines she's always had like a big hand in writing Nia and um, giving a lot of input into the writing process for Nia and for her storylines so I'm sure that they were like hey how do you want this to, to wrap up? Because, uh, you know, we just want to talk with you about it. And I, I'm, it's not confirmed that that happened, but I'm sure that's what happened. Um, considering how collaborative uh, they've been with Nicole on Nia's story, I cannot imagine them not consulting her for this. And I think a lot of the more, like, nuanced uh, elements of Nia's relationship with her sister do really come from uh, Nicole's input, which is really cool. So, um, but yeah, um, really quick though, before we jump into Supergirl fully, uh, I do want to touch really quick on the, uh, allegations made by Ruby Rose about her time on Batwoman. Obviously, it is, I mean, really, it's unfortunately not a shock to everybody because this, uh, the injuries on set that Ruby had, uh, you know, gotten from her time on Batwoman were public knowledge. It just was not public, all of the gory details. And obviously, they're so heartbreaking to read, so horrible. And I mean, would not wish that upon, uh, you know, my worst enemy to be treated that way. And obviously, it's it's just horrendous to, to read it. So I do want to apologize for um, the jokes that I made about Ruby. Um, when we were covering her right at the beginning, you know, when she left and then even still later, but obviously I was just going off of the information that we had available to us, which was that she was extremely difficult to work with and they mutually parted ways. Obviously, we know now that she was fired um, for being difficult to work with, but if I was injured all the time on set and had nobody in my corner, I would also be difficult to work with too. So, um, it's definitely a really volatile situation and a really um, convoluted and nuanced uh, story that is going around right now, and I really don't want to uh, linger too much on it, but I did just want to say, like, you know, some of the, if you go back and listen to some of that stuff and, and cringe, know that I'm cringing as well, and, and I feel really bad about, you know, making those jokes and making those comments, but again, I was just going off of the information that we had available to us at the time. Um, and yeah, uh, so yeah, anyway, um, let's get into this episode of Supergirl. 
So this episode started off with the intro, uh, the famous intro that they only use when an episode is running a bit short. <laughs> but they did switch it up, so I'm thinking maybe they they just wanted to like do it again and have like one final intro before the um, end of the season kind of happens. Uh, because I can't imagine them using that on like the final two episodes because they'll need every single minute of the 42 minutes that they have. Um, but yeah, so started out with a new intro. We got Guardian. We got Witch Lena in there with a new scene that we've not seen before. I think it's from the finale, if I'm putting the outfit together right, with the um, the pictures, the set pictures, as well as the um, uh, behind-the-scenes footage that was uh, released with the DC Fandom panel. Uh, it's definitely, it looks like, finale moment, which is really exciting. So anyway... At the beginning of this episode, we pick up with Nia and Brainy, and they're having a very domestic breakfast moment. It's very cute, very wonderful. I, I've said earlier in the or in past episodes that I've been really missing uh, Brainia uh, as they are, um, and it's been really sad to not see them have these romantic moments. So it was really nice to see them in the kitchen. You know, he was making pancakes. It was really sweet. Um, she tells Brainy that apparently uh, Maeve and her father had this, like, huge fight after her mother's funeral, after Maeve, you know, obviously, uh, you know, cut ties pretty, pretty uh, viscerally with Nia uh, at the funeral, and apparently she ran away and she took everything. She took all the books that her mother had about the dreamers and about Naltorians, about the dream realm, about everything. She took everything and she ran. And so she's left informationless, and she has have no luck uh, locating the dream totem, which is what she was off doing last episode. Brainy ends up suggesting, hey, maybe you should open yourself up to whatever the dream world wants you to see. And she actually gets a hit. <laughs> the dream world dials her number and she gets a hit. <laughs> we see this like college and this door with this professor's name on it. And so she's like, shit, I got to go to the college. Um, <laughs> and then she tries Brainy's spinach pancakes and they're green. And it's like, oh my God. And Brainy's green. That's one thing that is so important to me in this scene is casual green brainy it is so wonderful uh nia actually says that he's gone green full time because william has been at the tower so much back and forth and so i love that i love that so much i really oh my god it's so wonderful and i just know that like the reason they did that is because i'm sure jesse wanted to spend as much time as possible being a uh, green brainy as he possibly could before the series ended so i support him and I love that <laughs> and then she winks at him as well and I'm like ah oh, my favorite heads they're my favorite so with Nixley apparently the Lexo suit that she received at the end of the last episode comes with a fully operational AI that matches Nixley's exact personality and memories and it's there to help her get the dream totem so at the tower, Alex comes in bearing gifts for, from Esme for the Super Friends, and it is probably the most adorable thing I've ever seen. She has drawings of literally all of the Super Friends of Kara, Lena, Jean, Brainy, Nia, and um, Sentinel, even. <laughs> and I think, wait, I don't think there was a Guardian one, but she probably gave it to her mom because 
they went off on a a little family getaway to go see the Olsons, uh, go meet James, go out to their hometown, hang out with the family. And so that's where they are in this episode. And Alex says that, you know, if things kind of stay as quiet as they have been, then maybe she could just go join them. Of course, her luck would not have that um, because they end up dealing with a lot of shit this episode. But it's because they decided to destroy the Hope Totem. They think it was a really great idea because everything's been so quiet. And now Kara has time to prep for this interview that she's doing with the leaders of Corte Maltese and Kaznia. She was inspired by Larry King. Apparently, he streamed to her pod. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine Kara flying through space and it's just like this little iPad in her pod and it's playing Larry King? Anyway... <laughs> She basically ended up going out on a limb and she asked Kat uh, if she could do this interview. And she said it was cool, so she's going to do it. And then as she's pitching to the Super Friends, we get a transition where she's continuing this pitch to Andrea. And it's really, really cute to watch Kara be passionate and excited and, like, thrilled about her reporter job. Because, again, it feels like something that we haven't seen, uh, you know, in the past couple of episodes really for the majority of the season just because she's been so absent from catco for this season um but she basically wants to spread the idea that when people set their minds to it real change and peace is possible and she wants to spread hope uh through this interview uh, but Andrea says that it's just not interesting, and she says it'll be better if they just hype it as their version of Oprah and the Royals. And she's also just uncharacteristically excited about this whole thing. It's a bit unnerving. <laughs> because she's, like, sitting there and is, I mean, throughout the whole entire episode, she's so happy. And it's like, oh my god, why are you so happy? Why are you being so nice? <laughs> Because obviously in the past episodes, she's been nothing but mean and hateful to literally everybody around her, especially William. And it's like, oh my god, what inspired you to be so kind? <laughs> anyway, though, so at the college, Nia approaches the door of Dr. Reve, which is the uh, name of the doctor that it's the door that she saw in her dream vision. Uh, so when she opens the door, surprise, it's her sister Maeve. Uh-oh. <laughs> Face crack of the century. Surprise of a lifetime. Literally the worst surprise you could ever imagine. Oh my god. So Maeve, they enter her office and she tries to apologize. And Nia's like, I'm not having that. I do not want to hear it. I'm just here to get some information. Hopefully you can help me. A dream led me here. I didn't track you down on purpose. Um, and she says that she needs help with this dream totem. She's super shocked that it even exists in the first place uh, because she's really only ever read about it in these books and wasn't sure that it's actually real. Apparently, it can bestow dream power to whoever wields it, and it resides in the dream realm. Uh, Nia requests any information she has, and Maeve basically shows her an entire library of books with the info they might need in them. Yikes, they're gonna have to do a lot of reading. 
<laughs> so at Catco, Kara is watching interviews in like 10 times speed, which I'm like so jealous that she can just like comprehend it that quickly. But William interrupts her and offers to help her with some practice interviews, but Brainy texts Kara to head to the National City Sleep Lab, where, surprise, surprise, Nixley was spotted. At the sleep lab, Nixley uses this, like, doctor's machine to, like, enter the dream realm. She, like, takes the Lexo hand and, like, siphons the dream energy out of the machine. And then she, like, throws it in the thing and she jumps through the portal. I don't know. It was a little confusing. <laughs> and in the process, Karin and the super friend show up. But uh, they get, like, knocked down by Nixley because she, like, blasts them with the other gauntlet. Uh, but then... As she enters the dream realm, this, like, crazy nightmare monster pops out, and then the portal closes, and then, oh, God, they gotta deal with that. <laughs> it starts to terrorize National City, this nightmare monster. And as this nightmare monster is walking down the streets of National City, Jean is, like, trying to calm it, but it's not working, and it's on its way to the nuclear power plant that is apparently just, like, sitting right outside of National City. And Kara asks if Lena can do any magic to help them, but Lena's like, listen, it's not how that works. <laughs> and instead, she ends up utilizing technology via the Luther Corp satellites to put a dome around a specific part of National City, locking it in so it couldn't reach the plant. Um, but immediately after they wall it in, it disappears and it turns invisible and also surprise surprise everybody in national city is now either in the dome or outside of the dome uh-oh <laughs> with nia and mave uh they discuss some real intense dream lore apparently the gauntlet was replaced with a maze and an order an oracle protects the totem and they have this like little embroidered map to get them to the totem if they can properly interpret it but apparently you can't really interpret it if you have never been to the dream realm which surprise surprise Maeve has never been there and it just apparently the the totem can only be found by one of pure mind heart and sight and Maeve then points to this necklace which was given to her by her mother and it's meant to light up her dreams uh you know back when her mother thought she would be the dreamer uh but apparently it's the Naltorian symbol for purity and Nia kind of like snaps at her and she's like you know it must have been so nice to have like some guidance uh but then they discuss how to enter the maze probably through this creep that creepy forest that we've been seeing in uh past episodes in the dream realm and Maeve says that they still have to look through more books to properly properly decipher the tapestry because as I said she can't do it because she has never been to the dream realm um but as she grabs these books we see that she has kept all of the newspaper clippings or CatCo articles or whatever of Dreamer that are all just like ripped out and in a nice little pile that falls onto the floor. And it's really sweet. And she actually tells Nia, because Nia's like, you, you kept articles about me? And she's like, I might be furious with you, but you're still my sister. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, I... I really appreciate this yearning to, like, be sisters again, even though obviously there's this clear rift between the two of them. It's just really interesting to watch, and even though I really don't feel bad for Maeve and for the thing that she ruined with her sister, I, I do really enjoy seeing this kind of tumultuous relationship play out because... 
I mean, honestly, it's it's a reality for queer people a lot to deal with um, people saying really harmful things when they know that they can weaponize a certain aspect of yourself against you, um, even though they might not mean it or they might not, you know, uh, intend to cause you that visceral of pain or maybe they do and they just want you to feel that pain and they don't really realize the implications of it and clearly I mean as we see later in the episode that's kind of what Maeve says is what happened with Nia and that comment that she made at at their mother's funeral but it is just really interesting to watch them go back and forth in the way that they do throughout this episode Nia says (laughs) she's like look I can't spend all day reading. <laughs> so, since you already have read all of these books, why don't you just come with me? <laughs> and so she says, but just one thing first. She has to text her 12th level intellect boyfriend, Brainy. And she like, she's so braggy about it. It's so wonderful. Um, and then they grab hands and enter the dream realm. Kara says that she hasn't been able to find the nightmare monster anywhere. Apparently, when it becomes invisible, its energy signature does as well, so they just, like, cannot find it, can't track it, whatever. Lena, in the meantime, is working on the doctor's device to try to repurpose it so they can go into the dream world after her, but Brainy says that Nia is already on it with her sister. And basically, Jean says, hey, look, if Nixley gets her hands on this dream totem... It could make her unstoppable. And I love this. And Nicole Maines even pointed this out on Twitter. uh, That basically them saying that means that Nia is already unstoppable. (laughs) So that means, so you're saying that Nia is unstoppable. Like that's (laughs) exactly what they're saying. Um, So Brainy and Lena are tasked with opening the portal, Alex and John with finding the creature, while Kara goes off to her mock interview. In the dream realm, Maeve tries to bond with Nia over childhood memories of camping and witches. Uh, And Maeve says they might need to go beyond the forest. And Nia's like, beyond? There's a, there's a beyond. (laughs) It's like, yeah, why don't you crack open a book sometime is what Maeve says to her. And Nia's like, fine, if you know so much, why don't you tell me how to get into the dream expanse? And this, this back and forth is really fun. (laughs) <laughs> but before they can argue anymore, Maeve's necklace starts to glow, which leads them to a tree with a secret button that Nia presses, which shows them a door that opens into the dream expanse. It's like a field of weird-looking, like, cones with a path lit by candles, and as they enter, the door slams behind them. At CatCo, tri- Car tries to play serious reporter while William tries to play a serious actor with a really horrible accent that Cara just, like, is not having. Uh, <laughs> Andrea approaches Cara in a really, again, insanely happy mood, very odd, <laughs> and says that she set her up uh, a meeting with a negotiator, and William says that Cara is just having a day of days. She's having the best day ever. Um, so, and then he ends up actually critiquing the super friends using the dome, and Kara is clearly defensive of her snap decision, and William is like, look, I just hope that their recent success has not gone to their heads. It's like, shut up, buddy. I, I, shut up. (laughs) You don't know shit. (laughs) Um, one thing, though, that I found really interesting about that moment in particular, where William says that Kara's having this day of days, I wonder 
I mean, this is, I'm not sure that this is actually even plausible, but I do wonder if Kara is being affected by the hope totem in this moment, or throughout this episode, really. Um, Because she destroyed the hope totem, maybe she destroyed her own hope, or she destroyed any opportunities she could have to offer hope because obviously she wasn't able to do this interview which she said earlier in the episode was going to bring so much hope to people that peace can be achieved and it's like I wonder you know if this is the consequences of her own actions coming to bite her I just I wonder I don't know I don't know I think that this is like the least plausible of of a lot of the theories that I've come up with just because I think then it would end up discrediting a lot of the character work that they've been doing with Kara as of late especially because it has crossed over throughout multiple episodes it didn't just start in this episode um but I also wouldn't be surprised if it was an adding or if it was an added uh layer to what Kara is dealing with and what she's going through. So in the dream realm, Nixley learns that the spires of light represent the dreams of everyone on Earth, and apparently there are nightmare monsters lurking in the shadows of this space as well, um, and Nixley then finds the path and sets her sights on the Null sisters. Uh-oh. And it's so funny because, like, the super friends really do all the work for Nixley. <laughs> Like, in this episode, they literally lead her to the dream totem. They light the way. They, like, oh my god. I know that they didn't know that she was there, but, like, come on. And, I mean, last episode, too, where she was like, I'm just gonna let Supergirl get the hope totem, and then I'll just steal it. It's like, oh my god. (laughs) She is so smart. She's like, these heroes, they'll just do all the work for me. It'll be fine. (laughs) So at the tower, Alex is arguing with the uh, the governor. I don't know. I don't, what state is Supergirl supposed to take place in? I think it was supposed to be California, but, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, what governor is this? Anyway, it does not matter. Uh, who says that if they don't take down the dome, the National Guard will. Alex explains that, listen, hey... This monster is from the dream realm and it can't be harmed by bullets and it, like dream energy is apparently very similar to nuclear energy. So once we drop the dome, it's just going to go back to the nuclear power plant and then you know what's going to happen? Chernobyl. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> but the governor is like, no, the people are trapped inside. They're trapped in their houses. It's like, boo-hoo, babe, do you want National City to be Chernobyl or do you guys want to live? Like, (laughs) it's so stupid. So basically, she gives them 12 hours, but Brainy and Lena are like, hey, we need way more time than that, but we will get on it. And Lena ends up saying that Brainy is distracted because he hasn't heard from Nia yet. And he says, I'm not distracted. I'm appropriately concerned. But then the di- the device basically, like, catches fire and explodes right in their faces. <laughs> so then, also, these bitch-ass citizens stage a, m- a mob to try to break through the dome. And Supergirl has to go stop them, which causes Kara to miss the meeting with the negotiator that Andrea had set up. 
In the dream realm, Maeve says that she thinks the totem is actually inside one of these spires, but it has to look pretty different. Uh, but it's pretty impossible to see which one is different from the vantage point that they're at on the ground. Nia then uses her dream energy to make a dream elevator, and Maeve is like, oh my god, did mom teach you that? And she says, no, I figured it out by myself. And they don't see anything that's actually bigger, but they do see one that's fully gold, and Maeve's necklace begins to glow. And they get excited because, hello, that's it! They found it! Um, and then they hold hands, like, they get excited and they, like, grab each other's hands, but then they quickly drop them. It's like, oh, it's so upsetting. <laughs> So at the tower, it's the next day, and apparently Kara quelled the riot the night before, so she spent all night searching for it, uh, the monster, I mean, but she still found nothing. Lena and Brainy are really close, and they think uh, activating it might draw the creature like a beacon, but they aren't sure if they have enough time before the portal comes down. Andrea then calls Kara and calls her one of the most talented reporters she's ever seen, and she says, your work is usually flawless, but then she says, hey, you're not here, and it's beginning to show. And Kara's like, look, I, I really love my job, and I'm so passionate about what I'm doing, and, and Andrea's like, then start acting like it. And then Kara, she kind of has this almost, like, an almost breakdown. Because <laughs> obviously Andre Andrea is telling her, you know, things that she already knows. Because Kara feels like she's stretched so thin across Catco, across, you know, Nixley and the totems and everything. Like, she is... is Hannah Montana up in this bitch, you know, with her double life, and it's stretching her way too thin, and so she tells Alex that she just feels like, ever since she got back from the Phantom Zone, since Nixley arrived, that she's been one step behind on everything. But Alex ends up telling her that everything will be okay, look, we've got the nightmare creature, you go to your interview, and then she says, we need to take this freaking imp down. <laughs> it's like, let Alex say the F word. <laughs> and obviously she can't, but I would like it if she could. Um, and then this is just another moment of Kara being extremely overwhelmed. I've touched on it in the past couple of episodes about these kind of erratic decisions that she's been making. The, um, I mean, a lot of people have been calling it out of character, but the thing is that, yes, it is out of character, but that's the point. Kara is making these rash decisions and and being so uh, snappy and, and being Supergirl more often than Kara because she is so overwhelmed and so stressed and so um, beside herself about the fact that she can't fight Nixley. She is powerless against Nixley, basically, and it doesn't help that, you know, she's really stressed about Lena figuring out her magic, and that is kind of, at least from what I've seen, almost putting like a little bit of a strain on their relationship. I'm really excited to see what the next episode does since it seems like Lena is going to finally like let loose and step into her own with the with her magical powers. And it's just really interesting to watch uh, as Kara kind of like breaks down. So the governor is about to take down the dome, as John hears. They have about an hour to get everything sorted. Um, and William shows up at the tower and basically tells the entire team of super friends how to do their jobs, which is really annoying. And he describes a city scared of the recent chaos, as if these people aren't used to it. <laughs> this is like the most, this is the annoying thing about 
superhero shows in general, but also just like this storyline right now is that, listen, this show has been going on for six years. So this story has taken place over six years in National City. They have dealt with everything. Literally everything. Like, I do not think that a giant cat is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back on this one, guys. (laughs) But whatever. Fine. Alex offers Sentinel and Jean to make a statement, but Willie says that it has to be Supergirl. But Kara says that she doesn't have time to make comments and flies away. In the dream realm, Nia and Maeve make it to the Yellow Spire, but before they enter, Nia changes into her dreamer outfit. It was a really awesome costume transition. The only thing that was missing was the Wonder Woman spin. Would have loved to see it. (laughs) And she says she's going to take the lead inside. So inside, they actually see the dream totem, and Nia says that she'll grab it, but before she can, this bitch Maeve runs up and tries to snatch it, but she gets zapped. And the totem guy is like, you are not pure, Maeve Nall. You are a traitor to your blood, trying to take her power for your own. And it's like, oh my god, the girls are fighting. The girls are fighting. (laughs) Because then, uh, Nia and Maeve actually start to argue. And I think rightfully so. It's like the explosion of emotions that they've both been holding in this entire time and really for like two years, you know, since they saw each other. And for me, I mean, like I said at the top of this episode, Nicole Maines kills it in this scene in particular. She is wonderful in this scene. And and also, um, I think her name is Hannah. The actress who plays uh, Maeve is also really great. I mean, it's it's hard to be the the asshole in the scene, I think, uh, but she still manages to make it a, a bit of a sympathetic moment in some ways, which I really admire and I thought worked really well. So Maeve says that she worked her whole life to become the dreamer, dedicated her life to the studies and preparing, and it was her purpose and her identity. But Nia says, look, You had no cause to think you'd ever be the dreamer, and I didn't have a choice, and I tried to transfer the powers to you, but I couldn't. And Nia says, what do you want me to say? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in over my head. And then Maeve is like, honesty, finally. (laughs) Um, But then Nia snaps again and is like, look, I don't have any pity for you. Look at yourself, Maeve. You were willing to put the entire universe at stake so you could take the powers. Do you think that's what the dreamer would do? Do you think I- you don't think I deserve these powers? You don't think I'm a real woman? Well, I don't care. I know who I am. I am the dreamer. The question is, who are you? And it's like, oh my god, that is such an incredible scene. And that little, you know, uh, monologue that she does is, is incredible. I mean, for her to be like, you know, you don't think that I deserve powers? You don't think I'm a real woman? Well, screw you! I am the dreamer, and I am a woman, and guess what? you're not. (laughs) And, you know, look at the decisions you're making. Do you really think the dreamer would do that? Do you really think that you are so worthy and I'm not? Like, look at you and look at me. And I I loved it. It was so good. And like I said, Nicole Maines just killed it. But then uh, Nixley comes in. Yikes. Nixley blasts the shit out of Nia and Maeve, and she says, Nice move. Who taught you that one? Your mama or your sister? And it's like, oh, God. 
<laughs> and Nia jumps in front of Maeve to protect her. And I mean, this moment, I think, proves something really clever that they're doing with Nixley is that they're making it really personal for every single one of the super friends. They're making Nixley a personal villain for everyone involved. And I love that. I think it's so smart. And it... Because, of course, you know, Nixley was able to manipulate Nia, and yes, she gave her 24 hours with her mom, but to what cost? Or, you know, to, to what end and at what cost? And and then now she's witness to this fight with her sister. So, of course, she has all these buttons to press and all these moments to manipulate. And it is really interesting to watch as Nixley kind of gets all of these little tidbits of information about all of the super friends. I mean, for Kara, she's got her history and the time they spent together in the phantom zone for alex i'm sure that with alex and kelly and and with esme it's going to be really interesting to see how they they being nixley and lex luther exploit um this kind of really vulnerable uh person that they have in their lives um and for brainy there's like in in uh oh god i think it's 618 in the synopsis it says like brainy gets some really like bad news i'm like what if it's something to do with nixley you know what if she found a way to exploit brainy to to put you know the the level of personal <laughs> up a notch for him and then also with lena of course involving lex luther makes it immediately personal there's just so much going on that it's like it is really interesting to watch as the show makes Nixley everybody's problem. They're not just fighting her to save the world. They're fighting her because she's a bitch and she's, you know, taking advantage of their personal stories. And it's really interesting. So Nixley uses the Lexo hand to basically, like, suck the Guardian right from the totem. Uh, and then she's able to nab it. And then she says, I'll tell Supergirl you died nobly. Uh, and then Maeve gives Nia the necklace, and it actually helps to amplify her powers. And Nia says, this is for using me, and this is for hurting my friends. And then she sends Nixley flying. And then uh, the little AI chimes in and says, princess, we can't win this. And then she dips. <laughs> With the dream totem, unfortunately. So at the interview site, the Prime Minister and the President are running late, and Kara not so subtly talks to Alex over comms. As they're speaking, the dome is coming down, and Alex tells her that they've got this, but Kara refuses to let them handle it. She's coming. And this is something that I talked about earlier, which was Kara not trusting the super friends to, like, handle stuff. Um... Which we see in this episode, she cannot bring herself to allow them to handle it, even though they had it. Like, they were fine. Honestly, if Supergirl had not shown up, I think that they still would have been able to put the the monster back in its, uh, in the dream realm. I don't think they needed Supergirl's help in, in that way, but Kara physically cannot bring herself to let go of the control and let go of the idea that she needs to be there every minute to save everyone all the time. And so the super friends, you know, they Kara almost sees them as like these little sidekicks that help her save the day. She doesn't see them as people that are perfectly capable of saving the day when she's not around, which is just really interesting to watch as Kara realizes this. And then obviously at the end of the season, I think that I mean, it's just my personal opinion that I think she's going to hang up her cape at the end of the season, but 
So for me, I think that she will finally realize that it's time to just be Kara and to let the super friends handle it, to let them take care of National City because National City is in great hands and Kara can finally rest, you know, and not have to worry about everybody all the time. And I, I really appreciate this episode for, for taking that, that one step further. So in the park, Alex, Lena, and Brainy have set up the portal to attract the creature just as the portal comes, or just as the dome uh, comes down. The National City, or the National Guard, not the National City National Guard, are on their way, but Kara arrives just in time. Then the creature shows up and is about to go into the portal, but the National Guard helicopters begin shooting at the creature. Kara and Jean fly around it to deflect the bullets, and Brainy and Alex have to hold the columns up to keep them from collapsing. Not even sure what the columns are for. Where did they come from? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Lena then puts the portal back online, and Kara shoves the nightmare creature in. Kara lands, and Lena says, you did it! A very proud wifey energy. Um, and then the super friends say they'll hang around to speak with the governor, and Kara heads off to her interview, but by the time she gets back, Everything's packed up. Everybody left. They were late, but they weren't that late. And apparently Andrea tried to call her, but she didn't pick up. Brainy then calls Kara and tells her that Nia just told him that they that they made it out of the dream world in one piece. But Nixley has the dream totem. And of course, this is obviously the straw that breaks the camel's back for Kara. Like, for these past couple of episodes, we've seen her neglecting her cat co duties um as well as just be generally overwhelmed with nixley and with the fight against her and obviously she started this episode on such a high note with like yeah we destroyed the totem she can never create the allstone but now she has the dream totem and she can do you know whatever she wants with it you know she is about to be unstoppable and i think that fear weighs so heavily on kara that it it's that that pushes her to quick Catco. So at Catco, Kara's struggling. William brings her a drink and they talk about what happened today. She says, I woke up the next day and realized there's more to do. It just never ends and I'm drowning and I'm worried I'm bringing everyone, everyone around me down. And it's, for me, it's like watching Kara run on this endless treadmill is just really upsetting as somebody who loves Kara. Um, because really her whole entire life, she has been tasked with protecting people even as far back as Krypton when she was made to be a buffer between her mother and her aunt Astra she was meant she was forced against her will to protect her aunt Astra in that moment then she was forced against her will to be her cousin's keeper then you know she was left out to dry by said cousin who had already gotten there and had been there for years and she lost her purpose and then she regained it to becoming Supergirl and and then now she has the weight of the entire world of protecting everyone on her shoulders and you can just see it weighing her down and it's really upsetting to watch and William says look you're allowed a bad day once in a while and Kara says I don't know if I am. And again, I think that that is such a pivotal moment for her character, for her realizing right now in this moment, I have to be Supergirl all the time. That's it. I can't be Kara. But I mean, like I said, I think at the end of the season, she'll realize that she wants to be Kara, just Kara, which 
I think was kind of um, uh, backed up by the fact that the series finale title is called Kara. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, but anyway, so William throws out a Cat Grant quote. He says, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. And he asks her, what does Cara Danvers want right now? And somebody pointed this out online where it's very similar to the questioning that we saw Cara doing in her Midvale episodes this year, where she's like, I don't know what I want and I need to figure that out. And it'll be really interesting to watch as the series rounds off with Cara finally realizing what she wants uh, to do and answering that question. Cara then enters Andrea's office. Andrea says she doesn't want her apologies just to be there for the reschedule tomorrow, but Cara says that William should do the interview. She gave him all her notes, and she knows that he can do what he needs, do what needs to be done, and knock it out of the park. Cara tells Andrea that she was right. She's not here fully, and then she says, I quit. And it's like, oh my god, it was just such a heart-wrenching moment, you know? It really was. It was, it was so heart-wrenching. It was heartbreaking to watch, especially after, from the contrast of the beginning of the episode, to see Kara so excited and so happy about this interview, to then giving it up and quitting Catco. It's like, holy shit. But again, like I said, I don't think this is going to be permanent. I think Kara's going to rep out wrap up the season uh, as a reporter at CatCo as just being Kara because she realizes that the pen is mightier than the cape uh, as we've seen in past seasons. So I don't think there's anything too crazy to worry about here. So with Nia and Maeve, Maeve apologizes for trying to steal the totem, for abandoning Nia, and she says, look, I never thought you weren't a real woman. I just wanted you to hurt as much as I was hurting. And she says, you are the dreamer. You always have been. Forgive me. But Nia says that she can't forgive her. She says that she spent her whole life trying to make Maeve happy and that she can't erase what Maeve did to her. And she says that they both had to grieve mom alone because Maeve was so selfish. And she says that she needed her big sister. And she says that she can't forgive her, but that she could offer her a second chance, a final chance. So then Maeve gives Nia the necklace, and Nia says that she could call dad because he misses her, too. And I, like I said, I love this. This was awesome. I love that Nia was able, able to maintain her boundaries and get across to Maeve the severity of the hurt that she caused, while also not fully cutting her sister out of her life, but just, like, still being able to, like, maintain that any other wrong move, you know, and it's over. You know, she's not going to let Maeve play around with her emotions. She's standing there strong and saying, look... I want you in my life, but I don't want you in my life if you're going to keep hurting me. So this is your last chance, Maeve. And I just, I think, like I said earlier, it was a really nice way to wrap up that storyline. It's been hanging over Nia's head for so long, especially because now she can work with her sister to further her powers and abilities. And she has this support system back from outside the Super Friends. It's really nice. So at the tower, Kara approaches Jean and Alex, who are eating Big Belly Burger, and she says that Brainy and her fortified the totems with Kaluan tech, science, and earth magic, so there's no way that Nixley can get to them, even with the dream totem. Alex is like, cool, but we're being dragged through the mud. We're being canceled. <laughs> the Super Friends Are Over Party is started in National City. <laughs> So at CatCo, we had we saw Kara 
uh, leave Andrea's office after she quit, and she actually flew out and flew to the balcony as Supergirl. And so then she issues her apology on Catco TV. While she's speaking, Nia comes home and hugs Brainy. And basically, the gist of Kara's speech is that she knows that they've made some really like choice, some choice choices, like some iffy choices. Uh, but she says that it's because they know the threat that Nixley poses, and they'll stop. Nixley, no matter the cost, and she says that failure failure for them is not an option. So with Nixley, apparently her suit is like acting up. It's like it's dying. I don't know. It needs the totem, so it takes it, and then it materializes into Lex Luthor. Oh my god! And then that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah. So next week is, I believe in a thing called love, episode 17. Let's go, ladies. <laughs> I am so excited. I am so excited for this episode. I think it's going to be a really, really wonderful episode. Obviously, we've got Kelly and Alex, um, some really wonderful stuff for them. The proposal was, was in fact, spoiled in both the synopsis and the stills, so it's technically not a spoiler. Um, so Alex is going to propose to Kelly uh, next week. And Nixley and Lex are going to fall in love. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that works, especially because the theory of Kara being connected to Nixley that's dead and gone. <laughs> but um, in the promo and in the stills, it seems that Lena is about ready to risk it all to take out uh, Nixley and Lex and protect Kara. Because in the stills, you could see that there's uh, Lex and Nixley and they're standing and then Lena is off in the forest and she's like holding her arm out and she's ready to, I don't know, burn him to death. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and Kara is standing in front of Lex and Nixley and it's like, I can feel it in me bones. I think this episode's going to be a good one for Supercorp. It's going to be really interesting. <laughs> I think it's going to be really good. And the promo was really fun. We saw the return of Otis. Uh, Lex says that Nixley is the love of his life. And he says, uh, what? <laughs> I think it's going to be a really great episode. I'm really excited to see it. Um, like I said, I don't know. I just, I have a gut feeling that something really interesting and really important is going to happen with Supercorp in this episode, uh, especially with the love totem involved. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, let me know what you thought of this episode in the comments below, or you can tweet me at TelevisPod. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, don't forget to rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Um, and yeah. Oh, also really quick, I put up a couple polls, um, one on Twitter and then one on YouTube, because I just got the YouTube like community tab. I got access to that, so I've been like kind of abusing it, but I really like it. Um, and I put up a couple of polls because I wanted to see what people thought about covering uh, the finale as one giant episode or as two separate episodes. And I have decided that I'm going to do it as two separate episodes just because I don't want everybody to have to sit through like two hours. So I will have them both, you know, recorded uploaded within a day. So one will go up on Saturday and one will go up on Sunday and that'll be it. That's the last Supergirl review, but um, that will not be the last you are hearing from me about Supergirl. Obviously, depending on how the finale goes, we I'm sure I will make another uh, episode talking about it in 
you know, maybe in not a uh, recap format, just kind of like series overviews, stuff like that. So be sure to look out for that stuff. Um, and yeah, so I will see you guys next week. Bye.